just another reason to thank the Lord for blessing us, bringing us through that. I don't know if you've seen down in New Orleans, uh, a lot of folks down there without homes tonight. There's some people without churches tonight. Matter of fact, I saw one on the news just today, a church that was destroyed last night in one of the tornadoes. And the Lord blessed us. I mean, we rarely got much rain here, and the Lord's been good to us. And I hope you're thankful, uh, not just any day, but thankful the days that it could have been bad and how God brought us through that. Let's jump into the message tonight, if we could. Uh, I know a lot of us have, uh, have things to do throughout our week, and you work real hard. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time outside the message, so let's jump into it. Second John chapter 1, if you want to call that chapter 1. Second John chapter number 1. And I want you to remain seated tonight because we're going to work through just about the entire chapter and um, share something with you that I think uh, really would have piggybacked the Lord has led to preach on Sunday night. Um, but the Lord didn't lead us to preach it on Sunday night. I wanted to wait till tonight. And so we're going to jump in on that. Second John chapter number 1. Look down to verse 1. We're going to read down probably, uh, probably about three or four verses and then we'll pray. And then uh, read the rest as we unfold the message tonight. The Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for the privilege to be in your house, Lord, to be here tonight after such rough weather moved through our area. Thank you for the hedge of protection that you put about our people and our church. We do pray for those that are dealing, Lord, tonight with, uh, with the damage and destruction, some even grieving of the loss of loved ones. And uh, Father, I pray that, Lord, each time we come together, together Lord, we be thankful uh, and grateful, Lord, just for the privilege to have a building, to live in this country, and have an opportunity to open your word, uh, Lord, to get encouraged and fed from it tonight. I pray you'd help us, give us what we need to go about the rest of our week living for you, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll notice as we read down verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, there is a reoccurring theme. Uh, there's a word that's mentioned over and over again, and as I've told you many times, as we read throughout the Word of God, as things get established by two or three witnesses, uh, you really realize and see the point that God is trying to drive home. A little bit of background here. You go to 1 John, you read through 1 John, uh, it really focuses in on maintaining our fellowship with God. Uh, I don't know about you, but maintaining my personal walk with God, my fellowship with God is something that I have to work at. I wish it came naturally. Uh, you think about things that come natural to you. Uh, eating comes natural to us, doesn't it? Uh, unfortunately, anger comes natural to us sometimes. Impatience comes natural to us sometimes. That is the fleshly nature. As much as I would love for my walk with God to be something that my flesh crave, my flesh is at enmity with God. That I will never train this stuff right here to love God. I want to walk with God. Therefore, I have to walk in the supernatural or that super nature that we have through Christ to be able to have and maintain fellowship with him. So we read through 1 John, and we see in 1 John how he shows us how we can maintain that fellowship with God. Then we get over to the second epistle of John, and it kind of piggybacks on the 1 John. Now, you can look at them entirely separate. 
You can look at one as maintaining fellowship with God, and you can look at, 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 at chapter 2 or the second epistle of maintaining the truth. But I believe in order to maintain fellowship with God, you've got to learn to maintain truth and walking in truth. And so we're going to look at that tonight, if we could, on this thought of maintaining truth or taking care of the truth. I mentioned that Sunday morning's message dealt a lot with truth. And oftentimes we do decide we want to choose truth, but then we don't know what to do with it. Uh, truth is something we should desire to have in our life, even when the truth opposes who we are. I don't always like stepping on a scale, do you? The other day I hurt my hand and went to the doctor to make sure I didn't break it. And for some odd reason, because my hand was hurt, they wanted me to step on a scale. Why? I don't know. What does my hand have to do uh, with my weight? But they said, step up on the scale. I'm like, do I need to? Yeah, you need to. So I do what probably you do. I took everything out of my pockets. Makes me feel better, right? Wallet, cell phone. She says, sir, you don't have to take off your socks. I'm like, no, I'm taking it all off, belt off, you know. And then, and then we suck in our gut. You know that doesn't help, right? And we stand on our tiptoes hoping we're going to be lighter. And we don't want to look down. Well, you don't have to look down because now it's on a digital scale right there in front of your eyes. You have to look at it. And as much as I did want to look at it, I had to be confronted by the truth. And I don't always like the truth, but we need the truth in our life. The truth of the Word of God, the truth of the will of God, it's that plumb line that shows us where we're at. And you should always be desiring to back up to that plumb line and see how you measure up with God and how you stand with God. Now, when we look at this second epistle in John, we see how we can take care of the truth in our life of not just having it. You say, well, I want to have the truth in my life. That's great, but you must do something with it. Uh, I've told you the story before of my bonsai tree. I actually brought it up here tonight for you to see. Uh, I've always wanted one, and several years ago, we lived in Louisiana, my wife bought me one. Uh, she came by my office one day, and she had this beautiful little bonsai tree. She said, I know you've always wanted one. Uh, you've never bought one, and so here, now you have one. Well, this bonsai tree is up on the shelf in my office. You ever come in there? It's on the top right, and my nephews were in there the other day. And they said, Uncle Maya, what is that? I said, that's my bonsai tree but it's dead. It died several years ago, but I keep it as a testimony of this truth right here. Oftentimes, we want to have something more than we're willing to keep it. I wanted to have this bonsai tree, and I got it. I, I, I received it, but I never did anything with it in order to keep that bonsai. He said, what do you do with it? I says, I guess I just have it because I'm not doing anything with it, and it's dead. But sadly tonight, that's the, the truth about truth in our lives. I, I doubt there's a single person here tonight that would say, you know what, I don't want the truth. No, I think, look, you're here on Wednesday night. You're tuning in on Wednesday night. You're here, you're tuning in. Why? Because there's a part of us, I hope tonight, that desires truth, and we want to have truth. We know we have an innate need for truth in our life, and we want to have it. But understand this tonight. Truth is more than a possession. You've got to do something with the truth and then let the truth do something to you. And tonight I want to show you in this thought of taking care of truth, what we can do with truth and then what truth does for us. Often, look, I think we're missing out. 
I think we're missing out tonight on all of the joys and the fruit that could be yielded if we understood how to take care of the truth we have. You say, I want truth. Great. All right. We receive the truth, but then there's things we need to do with the truth in order to see it work in our lives. John 8, 32, what does it say? The truth can make us free. Now look, the truth is working. The Bible says the spirit guides us in all truth. John 17, 17, the Bible says that we are sanctified through what? Truth. Thy word is truth. We are cleaned up. We are sanctified, separated, made meat for the master's use through what? It's through truth. But oftentimes, I think that we think truth is an intellectual possession. Now, I hope you know a lot about the Bible. I hope you study the Bible. I hope you read it. I hope you memorize it. I hope you hide it in your heart. But do you understand tonight that God wants truth to be more than just an intellectual possession of yours. He wants it to work in your life, to bring about that freedom, uh, that sanctification in your life. What does the Bible say that truth is? We have that belt of truth. That belt holds everything else up. Without truth, it doesn't hold everything together. You've got to have truth, and truth will work for you if you know how to take care of it. And so tonight, we're going to look at this thought of taking care of truth. We're going to walk through 2 John and see how he is giving them the truth uh, in order for it to work in their lives to help them maintain their walk with God. So let's look at this thought if we could, and then begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, "...the elder unto the elect lady and her children..." Whom I love in the what? Truth. Now watch how many times this word is mentioned. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Now before we go any further, you've got to see the important principle in verse number one. It says, they that have known the truth. Now he's not just talking about people who have heard the truth. He's not just talking about people who have understood the truth. He's talking about people who have received the truth and they have embraced the truth. Do you know there's a difference in hearing the truth and receiving the truth? Do you know that every person in hell tonight, and there are people in hell tonight, every person in hell tonight heard the truth. There's not one person there who did not have an opportunity to be saved. They heard the truth, whether through the preaching of a preacher behind the pulpit, through reading of the Word of God, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. At some point in their life, they were confronted by truth. So they knew it correct. So obviously, he's not talking about people who just intellectually knew it. He says, also they that have known the truth. He's talking about people who've accepted it and have received it. That's why, number one, the first step in taking care of truth, you've got to understand. Number one, truth must be possessed. Truth must be possessed. Think about it this way. The Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we come to church, we sit in Sunday school, maybe you listen to preaching going down the road, you read your Bibles and your devotion in the morning, you read your devotions in the evening, you are understanding and getting to know truth. Throughout the Word of God, God proposes so much to us through truth. You think about what you find in the pages of this book. The Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's freedom in truth. 
there's freedom in truth. There's sanctification in truth. There's being guided in truth. And on and on, we worship in truth. So God proposes to us freedom. God proposes to us sanctification. God proposes to us we worship through truth. But this is important. It's just a proposal until you possess it. It's just a proposal until you possess it. What do you mean? Well, when we were in um, Savannah, I think it was, we were walking along the riverfront, and they had all the little shops there, people wanting to sell you something. And they had one of those shops, they had the fancy soaps, uh, you know, and the lotions and stuff like that, that that our wives like. And I didn't mind going in there if my wife went in there, wanted to go in there. We're walking down by by the, the riverfront. This lady steps out, and I see in her hand is one of the free samples. So I know what's coming. She says, excuse me. She says, I'd love to talk with you and offer you this wonderful, wonderful, whatever. And I said, no, thank you. She goes, sir, I was talking to the pretty lady, talking to my wife. I'm like, well, that's not a good way to get me in the store right off the bat. She says, this stuff, I forget what it was she was trying to sell us. It was some special lotion, you know, the dead sea salts and all of these things. And it'll just do wonders for you. I said, man, there's nothing that'll do wonders for me. I just, I assure you of that. And we just kept walking. Now watch this. I did not possess what she had. Why? Because I let it stop at the proposal. She proposed it, she offered it, but I didn't come home with any of that product because I chose not to possess it. Now, this is what we've got to understand with the Word of God. God proposes a lot to us through truth. We read the Word of God, and God holds his hands out. Through truth, I will make you free. Through truth, you will be sanctified. Through truth, you find guidance. Through truth, you can worship. And you say, well, I know that. You know, just because you know it doesn't mean you possess it. You've got to choose to accept it and choose to embrace it. And I feel tonight, this is why so many of us, we know the truth, but we don't know it like they did in verse 1. He says, also all they that have known the truth. Now, how do you know that it's not just an intellectual possession? Well, keep reading. Look at verse 2. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us. I've told you this phrase many times. Never forget this. God's not going to invade your will. God's not going to cram the truth down your throat. If the truth gets, what does it say in verse number two? If the truth gets in us, it's because you chose to receive it and accept it. And here's the sad truth tonight. There are so many Christians who live their entire Christian life knowing it intellectually, but never possessing it. They never possess it. We sit in chairs like these or pews like we used to. We hear the word of God preached three times a week. We go to Sunday school. We read our Bible. And we know so much truth. We know it. And we can spout it. We are intellectually possessing truth, but it's not the mind. What does the Bible say? For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness. So tonight, if you're going to start having some of the fruit that truth brings to our life, freedom, sanctification, worship, being guided by truth, if you're going to have that yield in your life, you've got to choose to take the proposal into a possession. I'll give you two examples of that. Uh, 1 John 5, 13, if you look across the page, 
The Bible says these things, great verse, assurance of salvation. You ever ever need one to uh, give you some assurance? This is the one I use all the time. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Now, there's that word, know, again. Can I tell you, this is not just an intellectual knowledge. This is a possession. My salvation is not just something I have rattling around up in here. It's something I am in possession of right here. Why? Because when I was presented the truth that I was lost, there was a penalty for sin, and yet Jesus paid my price and wanted to save me. Watch this. I knew that up here. I'd heard that since I was a child. Grew up in a preacher's home. Grew up around a lot of Christian people. I heard that, but at that point, the proposal of salvation had become a possession of mine. Now, if you want to see the yield of God's truth in your life, at some point, you've got to know it like they did in verse number one. Also, they that have known the truth. Do you know why people die and go to hell? It's not because they didn't know. It's because they rejected truth. As a matter of fact, turn with me to your your left to uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to flip around a little bit tonight. I want you to see how all of this works together. 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's start in verse number 1. You're going to read about some familiar times. Just back to your left a little bit. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Now, are they hearing it? Yes, they're hearing it. Do they know what the person is saying? Yes, they know, but they don't know it like they need to know it. Why? Because the Bible says in verse number four, they're turning their ears from the truth. What are they doing? They're rejecting the proposal. You know, the truth can't work until you accept it. You know, if you step on that scale and it's not exactly where you want it to be, as often the case is in my life, I can look at that thing and say to myself, well, something must be wrong with your scale. Do you know what? My health is not going to get any better. What have I done? I've rejected the truth. I mean, it's sitting there. I mean, I think the, I think the uh, LCD screens are getting bigger and bigger. It's like they, they won't let you deny it anymore. You know, used to it was at your feet and you could kind of squint and not see it. Now it's these big red numbers right there in front of you, you know, 220 pounds. You say, well, something's wrong with your scale. Well, you reject the truth, you're not going to get any healthier. It's the same way with our spiritual health. When we look into the truth, the mirror of God's word, and it shows us who we are, we can either embrace it and say, you know what? It's truth. I'm the one that's wrong. Or else we reject it and we live on in our sin. So how do we have and maintain truth in our life? Truth must be possessed. We've got to decide we're going to receive it. It's a lot like medicine. My wife says this all the time. It can't do you any good if you don't take it. What do you have to do with medicine? You have to put it in you, in you. That's the way truth is. A lot of us tonight, my daughter, we were in, we were, while we were gone, she had a little bit of a cough. I said, if you keep that cough up, I'm going to take you to urgent care and we're going to get you a shot. 
And when you say the word shot around that kid, you might as well have condemned her to the executioner's chair. Oh, no, Dad. And so I heard her in there. <laughs> She's trying to cough with her mouth closed. You hear her coughing in the pillow, <laughs> you know. She was scared to death of it. I said, Miley, look, when I was your age, I hated getting shots too. I would take the bubblegum medicine, you know. And yeah, it tastes good. But it takes a while for that stuff to work. Man, they give you a shot in your hip. That stuff kicks in. I said, Miley, you feel like a million bucks. You won't even be able to sleep. You'll be excited. You'll be awake. We'll have a good old, no, no, dad, no. I'd rather live with the cough. Why? She didn't want it in her because she knew it would hurt. That's what truth does. But truth changes us. Aren't you glad? Watch this. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you know what that is? It's change. Truth sanctifies us. What does it do? It brings change. And by the way, it's good change in our life. When I finally accept the fact that it really does say 220, I don't like the, uh, Brother Bolt, I'm not sure. I think I scared Brother Bolt there for a second. I'm not sure it's 220. I'm thinking it's somewhere around maybe 215. But I accept the fact that it says that, you know what? I've taken the first step to having change in my life. And thanks be to God, I have a wonderful wife who's using smaller plates now with my supper. Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn had dinner with us last night. Bless their hearts. I said, you guys are in it with us now. Invited them over for dinner. I said, we're eating off these little plates now, you know. And I'm thinking, that's it? That's it? Hey, I'm on my way to being changed. Why? Because I've allowed the truth to be something that I've possessed. So number one, if we're going to maintain truth in our life, number one, truth must be possessed. Well, let's keep reading. The Bible says in verse number four, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children, watch this, walking in truth. So first we see them in verse number one, they've known the truth, they've received it, embraced it, they've possessed it. But now what he says, I, great, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. You look on down verse number six, the Bible says, and this is the love that we walk after. So verse four says that we walk in and verse number six says we walk after. This is the second step to maintaining truth in your life, all right? This is how you take care of truth. Truth will do its job, but you've got to do your job. So number one, you got to possess truth. I'm not just going to intellectually know it. I'm going to receive it in my life. What's the second step? Number two, truth must be practiced. Truth must be practiced. What does it say in verse four? I found of thy children walking in truth. I want you to think about it this way. The lines on the highway are a lot like the, the lines in scripture that were given. All right? They keep you in a safe area. We don't get into trouble and we don't find harm and we don't find destruction and trouble until we start crossing those lines, correct? All right, you remember, I think it was just the other day in, in West Texas, that young man, 13 years old, was I not mistaken? 13 years old, driving a pickup truck, head on collision with that golf team, I think it was a Christian college, killed nine people. Great destruction, great calamity, great heartache, great loss. Why? Well, number one, a 13-year-old should not be driving on the highway. But he left his lane and crossed over the line and hit somebody. Now, folks, tonight, there's a lot of calamity, heartache, and loss in our Christian lives, in our families, in our churches. Do you know why? Because we cross over the lines. Here is Paul. Watch what the Bible says in verse number four. I rejoice greatly that I found thy children walking in truth. What is he saying? Staying between the lines. 
staying between the lines. At some point in your life, you not only possess the truth, but you've got to decide, I'm going to practice the truth. I know what the lines say. God has lined it out clearly in Scripture on the highway of life, and I'm going to keep my life and my family within those lines. Too often, we get in the lines on Sunday morning. We might stay in them on Sunday night. And then Monday through Saturday, and Sunday we, we get back in the lines, and everybody sees us in the lines. But boy, you can do a lot of damage in your home Monday through Saturday if you don't practice the truth. By the way, I think we mentioned something about this Sunday morning. Mom and Dad, you have no clue how closely your children are watching you to see that you practice the truth. You have no idea how closely they're watching you. And one day they're going to come to a place in their life where they have to decide whether or not they're going to stay within the lines of truth. And oftentimes they're going to follow the example of mom and dad. If it was real enough Monday to Monday for mom and dad, there's a good chance it'll be real enough for them. But if they saw you leave church on Sunday and you go live like the world Monday through Saturday and zigzag across the lines, I'll promise you they're going to be tempted to do the very same thing themselves. Why? We're not practicing the truth. Uh, look back in 1 John. I'll show you something else that I think will help us. 1 John chapter 1. Watch what the Bible says. Look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, that's a profession, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, notice these words at the end of verse 6. Do not the truth. Now, wait a minute. I thought that truth was an intellectual possession. It's something that we know. We know what the truth says. We have it in our mind. We know what the truth is. But wait a minute. It shows us here that truth is not just a belief. Truth is a behavior. Now, this is something we're missing in the church today. That truth is this abstract, invisible thing like love that never manifests itself in our life. And by the way, that's why we're no good to reach the world. Because truth isn't something real and tangible. It's a belief to us, but it is not a behavior to us. Here the Bible says, ye do not the truth. Why? Because you say one thing and you do another. The Bible says truth is something that we live out in our lives. Now, watch. Once you possess it, oh, it starts wanting to come out in your life. Once you take that medicine, it brings about change in your life, and I wholeheartedly believe tonight the reason we do not the truth and we don't practice the truth is because we've yet to possess it. Because once you pull it in you and it's in there, it starts to change you. Truth brings freedom. Truth is what sanctifies us. Truth is how we worship God. When truth is in us, it changes our practice. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, there's that word walk again. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Watch verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, truth is not just something we believe. Truth is the way that we behave. And sooner or later, if the truth is in us the way we say it is, and the way we sing about it, look, I'm not judging you, you're not judging me, but we can judge each other's fruit, can't we? 
We can look at each other's lives and tell whether they really believe what they say they believe. I heard a preacher this week. I forget who it was. I was listening to a message on Monday, and I sat in the office and did some scheduling. He was talking about two friends who grew up together. Uh, one guy, uh, they grew up and started school in kindergarten, and I went all through high school. And when I got out of high school, one went to become a pastor, and the other went to, uh, I think, went to become an executive at a company. Uh, the pastor went on to, pass, uh, to build a church and have family. The executive, uh, he went on to rise in the ranks of social status and, and had a, quite a good career and had, and, and had a family. And uh, he got to missing his friend. He says, look, I'm going to fly you out. I want to fly you and your family out to my, uh, my lake house. We're going to spend some time visiting together. And uh, so for an entire week, they just reminisced. They boated. They fished, walked through the woods and all those things. As the, the trip drew to a close, they got in his car, and he began to drive him to the airport. As he's driving to the airport, he says, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. He says, do you believe the Bible? He says, well, of course I do. I'm a pastor. So of course I do. I'm a pastor. I mean, of course I believe the Bible. He says, so you believe in heaven, right? He says, well, of course I do. He said, and you believe in hell, right? He said, of course I do. He said, and you believe that if you don't trust Christ, you'll die and go to hell, correct? He said, yes. Immediately, the man pulled over the car, and he stuck his finger in his preacher friend's face. He says, you don't really believe that. He says, why do you say that? He says, because we just spent a week together, and you never shared Christ with me one time. He says, you don't really believe it. He said, because me and you have been best friends since we were in kindergarten. And if you really believe what you said you believe, that there is a heaven and that God wants everybody to go there and there is a hell that nobody wants to, that God wants nobody to go there, if you really believe that and you really love me like you say you love me, at least once over the entire week you should have shared Christ with me. Therefore, I don't believe you believe what you say you believe. You see, it never translated itself out. Can I ask you something tonight? The truth that maybe you hold up here, we have some very smart Bible knowledge folks here in our church. I'm thankful for that. But how often does that truth that we have between our ears ever manifest itself in our life? Matter of fact, if you go back to 2 John, watch this. You say, well, you can't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you. The Bible is. Judging me too. Watch what the Bible says, verse 5. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. I love how God gets to define the terms, don't you? And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Notice, watch this, the truth that is in them is being manifested in their life, not only in their walk, but their love for one another and their love for God in the evidence they're keeping his commandments. Folks, tonight, look, I think we've deceived ourselves. You ever lie to yourself? Come on now. We all do every once in a while. No, I'm not getting any way. Yes, I look good. Uh, yeah, we lie to ourselves all the time. Let's be honest. We're capable of that. We live in a flawed body. I believe we've deceived ourselves tonight, and we have translated having an intellectual possession of truth to the same thing as having a spiritual possession of truth. Drastic difference. Why? Because when it's spiritual, it manifests itself in our life. And the way that it does that, it manifests itself in our walk. And then it manifests itself in our love for God by what does it say? Verse 5 or verse 6, we walk after his commandments. 
if that truth that we say we have is really in us, it's going to come out in our life, not just in our love for God by keeping his commandments, but our love for one another. That love there is agape. You think about that kind of love. The Bible says that's what should come out in your life if the truth is really in you. And if it's not coming out like that, then you might better check up. It might just be a head knowledge rather than a heart knowledge. So how do we take care of the truth? Number one, make sure you possess it. By the way, just because you agree with it doesn't mean you possess it. You walk out here tonight. As far as I know, I'm preaching the Bible, okay? Walk out here tonight. I agree with him. But you know, you can agree with it and still not possess it. I believe there's people in hell tonight that agreed with a lot of the Bible, but they never possessed it. If the truth is going to take care of you, you've got to take care of the truth. The first way you do that is truth must be possessed. Number two, truth must be practiced. Paul said, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Paul, John 14, 6, we know it well. The Bible says, I am the way and the truth. You think about this, Christ is truth. You follow truth, you're following Christ. You follow truth, you follow Christ, you become more like Christ. People see Christ in your life, they desire to have what you have. But you've got to make the decision, you're going to follow after truth. I love 1 John, or 3 John 1, 4. The Bible says there's no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Now, how excited do we get as parents when our kids learn something? And our kids are learning to add numbers and letters. They're learning how to multiply uh, fractions and all of those things. That's great at what they're learning. But how much better does it make us feel when we see our children doing what they know? I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth, not just knowing truth, but they're doing truth. You ever have a proud parent moment when you see your kid doing what you taught them to do? And you're like, Lord, come back right now. Right now, I don't, don't ruin the moment because in just a second, they're gonna do something really stupid and they're gonna make me feel like a horrible parent. You know, you teach your kids to say no to drugs and no to smoking and all these things and all of a sudden you see them telling them, no, I'm not gonna, and you're like, yeah. Imagine how our father feels when that intellectual truth becomes a spiritual truth. We open our heart to it and it starts manifesting itself in our life because we're following Christ who is truth and we're loving one another the way Christ loved people. That's when we take truth and we start practicing it. Verse 6 shows us how we do that. And this is love that we walk after his commandment. Folks, this is not deep stuff. Watch this. When you're walking after something, what are you doing? You're following it. You're following it. Can I tell you how we walk in truth? Well, we just follow it. We just follow in the footsteps of Christ. Yesterday, I was out in the parking lot. Uh, my wife texted me on the phone. She says, it's rainbow weather. That's a phrase we have around our household. When it's raining and all of a sudden the sun pops out, we call it rainbow weather. We go out and we look to see if there's a rainbow outside. So I'm walking around the church parking lot. If you saw me walking out there yesterday in the rain, that's what I was doing. So I'm walking around the, the parking lot looking to try to find the rainbow. And as I walked out there on the left side of our parking lot, I noticed something I've never seen before. In the concrete, there are footprints from when they poured the concrete out there. I don't know who, who did. Somebody left their mark on our church parking lot. And you can see ever so clearly 
Every, and so just like a kid, I'm out there, you know, boom, boom. You saw me out there thinking, our preacher has lost his mind. He's in the parking lot in the rain, and he's out there doing some weird dance, you know, killing some bugs. I was just, I was just following in the footsteps. They were there. It was so easy to follow. The prints were there, all right? The prints were there. Now, you think about the Word of God. Christ, thanks be to God, came down, put on this flesh, and he left footprints for us to follow. They're recorded in the word of God. And so in order to follow truth, all I have to do is follow in the steps that he left behind in his word. That's how I practice truth. What does it say, verse 6? That we walk after his commandments. So how do we take care of truth? Number two, truth must be practiced. We can't just have a knowledge of it. We must possess it. We must practice it. And then watch verse 7. You do the last thing. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Notice it says, and not thee. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, that means staying in those lines, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. Now here's what's interesting. John concludes with a little bit of a word of warning. He says, okay, if you want the truth to work in your life, you want to maintain truth, number one, possess it. Not in your head, possess it in your heart. Bring it in. Number two, make sure you practice it. Make sure you practice it. But then finally, number three, he gives them a word of warning that the truth must be protected. The truth must be protected. Now, why should it be protected? Why does it need protecting? Well, what does truth do again? Truth brings change. Do you know how you got saved? You heard the truth. That's how you got saved. It brought out the greatest change in your life. Truth. And then after you get saved, how do we continually change? We hear the preaching of thy word, which is what? Truth. And that truth challenges us. And if we give in and surrender to it, it not only challenges us, it changes us. Well, do you know who doesn't like change? Do you know who doesn't want you to become more like Christ? Obviously, it's Satan. So therefore, Satan must attack the truth. How does he do that? Well, verse 7 says, for many deceivers are entered into the world. So what has to happen is we have to be deceived. Here's the interesting thing. The word deceiver means corrupter or deluter. The truth, in order for Satan to keep us from having the change in our life that our Father desires and commands that we be more like Christ, that we might win this world, the way that Satan scuttles that is he has to corrupt the truth. Now, folks, if we don't get this tonight, we're going to miss out on something that will probably cost us our testimony, our church, and our families tonight. If Satan is allowed to corrupt or dilute or water down the truth, then in, on the other end of the spectrum, he is diluting the change that comes in our life. That's why he attacks truth. That's why he doesn't want you to hear truth. We remember in Matthew chapter 13, uh, when the seeds were sown, the Bible says they sowed good seed. But what happened? While men slept. The enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Here's what he didn't do. Watch closely. He didn't come in and pull up all of the wheat. 
He just came in and corrupted the field. This is where you got to be careful tonight. You may have a lot of truth stored away in your heart, but if you don't guard against what wants to corrupt the truth, you can lose it all. I've known good kids that were raised in good churches like this for years. Mom and dad, when they start getting 13 or 14, well, they're grown now. And we start letting our guard down. And here comes the deceiver, the corrupter. By the way, be careful, mom and dad. There's so much more that has access to our children today that normally did. Used to, there were maybe one or two gates to get inside the fence. Now with technology and television and cell phones, the fence probably has about 15 different gates to get in. And you've got to guard those gates. Why? There's a deceiver out there who wants to come in and sow just enough deception in the heart of your child, in the heart of your home, that after a while it's corrupted. And no longer will it yield the possibilities of all that God had planned for it. Romans chapter 1, verse 25, we read about a people. The Bible says they changed God's truth into a lie. They changed God's truth into a lie. Now, here's what's amazing. The truth will either change you or you're going to have to change the truth. So it's going to have to happen. If the truth is not allowed to confront you and challenge you and change you, then what you're going to do is have to change the truth. Hence why we have so many Bible versions today. The truth was just too hard. The truth confronted us. It challenged us. And so what Satan did was he didn't do away with the Bible. He just corrupted it. He just polluted it. And after a while, it loses its power. Why? Because the truth was not protected. I love what Paul said in Galatians 4. He told the church at Galatia in in verse 16, he says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Is that not how we feel when the truth confronts us? We want to fight back, don't we? Who likes getting punched in the mouth? I read the word of God, man, it punches me in the mouth sometimes. I hear the word of God preached, punches me in the mouth sometimes. Makes me want to punch back. And Paul says, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And at that moment, we're about to decide whether or not we have change in our life by putting our dukes down and possessing the truth. Or we decide, you know what, I'm going to push it away or I'm going to change the truth. Hence, we have the word compromise. What is compromise? Compromise is simply when we alter the truth in order to be accepted. We alter the truth. Do you know every Bible preaching preacher across this country? I'm talking about the real ones who are preaching the Bible. On a daily basis, on a weekly basis, feel the pressure to compromise. I know this one does. I know this. Ask Brother Nate. He'll tell you. Why? Because you want to be accepted. Nobody likes to be the odd guy out. (laughs) Nobody likes to be the guy on the outside. Everybody wants to be accepted and involved. And in order to be accepted, we've got to compromise truth. But if we compromise truth, then our people aren't going to be set free. Our people aren't going to be sanctified. And so, therefore, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to protect truth? Could I, could I beg you tonight? You better protect truth. Even if truth confronts you, protect the truth. Why? For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Many times in my life, I've gone to get gas, filled up my car. You know, and a few miles down the road, you start feeling that. It's just not running right. And uh, first time it happened, I remember talking to my dad. He says, maybe you have some water in your gas. 
And sure enough, there was some water in our gas tank. I had to drain it down, get the water out and all that stuff. You see, the gasoline, the fuel that was going to get us down the road, it got diluted. And it did not yield the power that it should because it was contaminated. Now, you say, well, how did you know that? Do you have a dummy light on your dash that says water in the gas tank? No. You can just tell by the way it was running. It was not running right. What happened? It had been corrupted. Now, folks, you ever not run right? I don't know about you. Galatians 5, you did run well. Well, who did hinder you? Hey, something corrupted you. When you're not running like you should be running, you need to figure out if something hasn't deceived you. The Bible, so many times I was reading them this afternoon, it says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Think about that. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt. Corrupt. What happened? It got to the heart of truth. Now, how do we protect? How do we protect the truth? It's very simple. It says it in verse 8. <clears throat> Look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. That means you better keep an eye on yourself. You better keep an eye on yourself. What does this mean by look to yourselves? Every once in a while, go look in the mirror. I'm not talking about the one in your bedroom. I'm talking about the one we have in this book. Look to yourselves. Hey, you better guard, watch out. Deception can creep in. There have been greater folks than you and I in the word of God who have been deceived, corrupted, and destroyed. Why? They didn't look to themselves. I mean, it's easy for us to see faults in others, but we've got to look to ourselves and see in our lives where truth has been compromised or else we'll become a victim. Look what he says. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. That progress you've made. Thanks be to God, through truth we grow and we are able to change. Aren't you glad? Hopefully you can look back this year and see how far you've grown since you were last year. But if you don't look to yourselves, you'll lose those things which we have wrought. So how do we protect the truth? Well, we look to ourselves. That's where we start. But then notice what he says. Verse 10, if there, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Boy, that is politically incorrect and intolerant. But do you know what verse 10 is? It's truth. There are times in your life where you better close the door. You better close the gate. You better put up a stop sign. And could I just squeeze this in right here? That also means family sometimes. We let our guard down a lot because it's family. Well, you know what? I wouldn't let anybody else in my home like that. I wouldn't let anybody else talk about that. But that's my dad. That's my mom. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's my cousin. And you know what? I just love them too much. You ought to love your family enough to protect your family from your family sometimes. You better guard that gate. You better guard the door. Why? Because the Bible says, if they come unto you, bring not this doctrine, receive him not. What is that? That's not truth. Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. So how do we protect the truth? Number one, we look to ourselves. But number two, we beware of others. Beware of others. We have such an access now to information. You can access anything you want on this device right here. You can read about anything you want. I mean, look, if you can come up with the most weird, outlandish conspiracy theory in the world, and you can find somebody on that phone who agrees with you. Start you a club, 
probably get you a government grant, get a logo and a website. You can access all kinds of corrupting information through the technology we have. You better make sure your guard's up. Better make sure you got mom and dad, better make sure your guard's up. I wouldn't trust a kid with one of these as far as I could throw them. Now listen to me tonight. I'm not saying I don't think you shouldn't have one. I'm saying is you better keep your hand on it. You better keep your hand on it. This is the door that is accessing the hearts of our young people faster than anything. And sadly today, some of your moms and dads were asleep at the wheel. We have no idea. The deceiver's coming in there. And all, all that good seeds you sowed in your child's heart, all those years of Sunday school and Bible school and all those times, you had them in church even on vacation, and you sowed good seed, but you left the back door open. The deceiver come in, and what happened? That you lose not those things which we have wrought. You're losing all of it. Why? Because you didn't keep a guard up. Didn't keep a guard up. Folks, number three tonight's important. Truth has got to be protected. You can't just say, well, I put it in there. That's all I need to do. No, you better protect the field. Why? Because deceivers are entered into the world. Proverbs 19, 27, the Bible says, Cease my son to hear instruction that causeth thee to err from knowledge. Cease my son from hearing it. Don't listen to it. Turn it off. Turn it away. As a matter of fact, what does the Bible say in verse 10? Receive him not. It means push it away. Now, here's the good news. The good news is verse number 8 tells us and gives us an incentive of why you ought to protect it. Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. The desire is that truth would yield a full reward. I don't know about you. That's what I want in my life. I want truth and that truth that's been planted in my heart and my life, I want it to have a full yield, a full reward. Just the other day, I went on our back porch. My wife got in the plant, planting mood. And uh, so I know once a year, here it comes. And it, it happened, you know. That's, I think it's pollen activates that in my wife's mind. And that's kind of like, uh, you know, a, a drug for her or something. And, and so we went and, and bought all these plants. We're out there planting them. And the boxwood hedge that's on the backside of our deck at our house had all of this new growth you put up all this new growth, little tender green growth. And then we had that night that had the 27-degree weather. And all of that new growth is brown, bent over, ugly, nasty, dead. It got stung. It got bit. It will never yield what it could have. Something got to it. Now, folks, that's the way our lives are going to be if we don't protect them from what's trying to bite them. I want the truth of God's word to yield all that it can in my life, my wife's life, my daughter, our home. I want the truth of God's word to have a full reward, a full yield in this church. But we can lose it in a heartbeat. You can lose it in a heartbeat. Your kids can lose it in a heartbeat if we don't protect the truth that has been sown. So number one, what do we do? How do we take care of truth? Well, we receive it, we possess it. But then look, it's not something you put up on a shelf. It's not just something you have, all right? It's something you keep, you hide it, and then you practice it. And then while you're practicing, you're protecting, you're watching, because many deceivers are entered into the world, and they want to take away that full reward or that full yield. I'm thankful tonight for truth. I really am. It challenges me. It changes me. It changes me to become more like Christ. Why? Because he desires that I have a full reward. 
God wants you to have a full reward tonight. The question is, what are you going to do with truth? We talked about it Sunday morning, okay? You choose truth. What are you going to do with it? Do you have it stored away up here? Is that it? Yeah, I know what the Bible says. No, no, no. You store it away here. You possess it. You receive it. You embrace it. Are you practicing it? It doesn't work if you don't practice it. You've got to put it into practice. You've got to do the truth. It's an action. It's a behavior beyond a belief. But then, and this is what I'm burdened about tonight, you better protect it. You better protect it. God wants to bring a full yield in your heart and your life tonight through truth. But you've got to protect it from the deceivers that are out there. Heads are bowed tonight. Let's, our eyes closed. Let's just have a few minutes of invitation. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. John is challenging them. All right, I've showed you.